Hello and welcome to Journeying Through the Scriptures podcast, the podcast where we walk through God's Word together. And today we're going to continue our journey through the book of Acts in chapter 10 with the story of Peter and Cornelius. And I've often heard this chapter taught as that it is proof that God has made all foods clean. While that's true that all foods are now clean and we're not bound by the Old Testament cleanliness laws, it's better to get that truth from the book of Mark in the story where Jesus says it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, but what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And the scribe notes that therefore all foods are clean, but rather in this chapter, the main idea is that God through Christ has made clean those who come to him. So don't call people unworthy of the gospel and so cheapen the grace and the sovereignty of God. Let's set the scene. So we're introduced to Cornelius, who is a Roman. He's a man who fears God. He's charitable to the Jewish people, and he's always praying. And he's going to be one of our main characters, Peter the other one. So let's dive into the text where it says there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion, of what was called the Italian Regiment. He's a Roman soldier. He was a devout man, so he was devout. He feared God along with his whole household. So not only did he fear God, but his household feared God, which means he probably led them in worship of the God of Israel. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people, and he always prayed to God. And about three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw a vision of an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, staring at him in awe. He said, What is it, Lord? And the angel told him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as memorial offering before God. And he tells them as we go on in verse 5, Now send somebody to Joppa. There will be a man named Peter who is staying in the house of Simon, a tanner. Call him, and he will tell you about Jesus. He didn't really specifically say all of that, but he said most of that. And ideally, he just sets up that here's Peter, go there, get Peter, bring him here. He'll tell you what you need to hear. But let's look back at the fact that this is, first and foremost, a Roman, a Roman soldier, a man you would think that by distinction alone, by that distinction alone, would disqualify him from the love of God. And that's especially true if you were a first century Jew you would have hated this man. He would have been a symbol of oppression. And yet he sought after God and God answered. This story in chapter 10 tests the reach of the gospel. Can it reach the Jews in Jerusalem? Sure. Can it reach the Samaritans in Samaria? At first hesitant, but yes, as we find out, that is exactly where the gospel will reach. But what about the Gentiles? That was a big barrier for the gospel to overcome, at least for the early Christ followers. So let's look at how God answers the question, what about the unclean Gentiles? Well, God answers that question like this. In verse 4, he says he sends an angel to Cornelius, and he tells him where to go and who to speak to. Now, God could have had the angel declare the gospel himself, but instead he points to Peter. Well, why? Wouldn't, wouldn't it have been easier and more efficient to just for God to tell Cornelius who he is? But God is showing Peter something as well as Cornelius. He is showing us something as well. God uses us not out of necessity, but out of love. 
we learn deeper who God is as he allows us and calls us to partner with him in the ministry of the gospel. Paul talks about this more in 1 Corinthians, or sorry, 2 Corinthians rather. It's about relationship and fellowship. It builds our relationship with God and it deepens our fellowship with one another. God teaches in these moments. So I said it before, but notice again where Peter is staying. So we go to scene two of our story. And we have Peter, verse 9, the next day as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon, and he became hungry. Well, I've been there before, and he wanted to eat. But while while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. Now, I want to stop and go back to verse 9 for a second. He went up to the roof to pray. Cornelius was a man who prayed. There's a theme. When you pray and when you genuinely seek God, he answers, he speaks. If you were wondering to yourself, why can I not hear God speaking to me? And you look at your prayer life, and if it's non-existent, there might be your answer. You know, God can speak to us even when we don't pray, yes, but for the one who prays and who seeks him, he will speak to them clearly. And for Peter, it's it's a trance. It's kind of odd, but here we go. Let's follow the story in verse 11. He saw heaven opened and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down and being lowered by the four corners to the earth. In it were all four-footed animals and reptiles of earth and birds of the sky. And a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Well, Peter must have been thinking, This is a test. God is testing me to see if I am loyal to the cleanliness laws that I will follow. And so Peter says, no, Lord, I'm not going to follow. This is, this is a test. I know it. I won't, be, I, won't, I won't fail you. Again, Peter's thinking this because he's failed before. And perhaps he's thinking this is another test. He says, for I have never eaten anything impure or ritually unclean. And I want you to focus in on the words impure and unclean because they're going to be repeated here in a second. And again, a second time, verse 15, the voice said to him, what God has made clean, do not call impure. Now I want you to take verse 15, fold it up and put it in your back pocket. You're going to need that later. That is the verse that most of the weight falls on. That's kind of your theme verse of this chapter. That's the big idea verse of this chapter. What God has made clean, do not call impure. And this happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken into heaven. This is where context matters. Many will stop and teach here that God is making the impure foods clean, and that when God in verse 15 is saying, what God has made clean, do not call impure. They put the weight of that meaning on the food, but I think that it would be a misplaced emphasis. The weight of meaning is not on the food. Instead, it's what comes after. And it's, it's much bigger than unclean food here. That's such a small thing. This is much bigger. If it were just food, verse 17 would make no sense. And if you follow verse 17, it says, while Peter was deeply perplexed, about the vision. So he doesn't get it. And if you are deeply perplexed about this vision, that's okay. Peter was as well. He didn't get it. And I think because it goes against everything he had heard, he had been thinking it was about the food. And I'm thinking that as, as it said, do not call unclean what God has made clean. I think 
Peter is realizing it's something more than food, that God is trying to tell him, hey, Peter, you can eat other foods. Now, the reason why I said kind of keep the context in, in mind, it's funny that Peter is so concerned with the cleanliness laws here because he's living in the house of a tanner, which would have had dead skin, animal skin, which would have been an unclean profession and made him unclean for staying in the house. But he's very concerned about the food. Just note that it's almost a little humorous, I think, uh, as, as you look at that. But he's perplexed. Maybe you are too. Maybe I am sometimes. We, we can be perplexed by these things, but we keep reading. So if you're thinking it's about the food, I would urge you to keep reading and keep in mind the context in which verse 15 sits. It does not sit in the context of the cleanliness laws of the Old Testament. It's something more. Something else is happening here. So we continue on with our story. And as he's having this vision, as the vision ends, as he's perplexed, right away the men who had been sent out by Cornelius knock on the door. And they call out asking for Simon, who was also named Peter, was lodging there. That's very specific. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, he's still perplexed. The Spirit told him, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. And I think even in verse 19 and 20, Peter's starting to understand a little more about what that vision was. And I'll explain that and unwrap that a little more in a minute. Just hang on. Verse 21, Then Peter went down to the men, and he said, Here I am, the one you were looking for, the reason you're here. Or he actually says, What's the reason you're here? And they tell him, verbatim what happened in the first part of this chapter that you have Cornelius a centurion he's upright he's God-fearing he has a good reputation he was divinely directed by an holy by a holy angel to call you to this house and to hear a message from you so he's saying this this Gentile who's a good man he's a God-fearing man he's a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation he's been divinely directed to get you to come to his house to give him a message and so we he invites them in to stay the night, and the next day they get up and they go. Now, I want, to notice, I want you to notice something. As they get ready to go the next day, this is verse 23 and 24. Actually, verse 24, the following day, they enter Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was expecting them. Now, he wasn't just sitting on his hands for the last four days. It's taken two days for them to get there and two days to get back. He's not simply just sitting there waiting. He's been gathering people. Hey, we're going to hear a message. God is doing something. The God that I've been praying to is sending somebody to give us a message. And he's overjoyed, and he, he gets a crowd, and Peter walks in, and this is what happens. Now, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him, verse 25, and fell at his feet and worshipped him. I think he was a little overjoyed. And Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up, I myself and also, am also a man. While talking with him, he went up and he found a large gathering of people. And Peter said to them, You know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate or even visit a foreigner. And here, here's, here it is. Peter gets the vision now here. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. And go back to verse 15. God says, what God has made clean, do not call impure. Peter now gets it as he walks into the house of Cornelius, and he sees the crowd of people waiting to hear a message from him about God, and he gets the vision. 
And he says, I must not call any person impure or unclean. The weight of verse 15 falls here. But why? Why do we not call any person impure or unclean? What about people that are hateful to us? What about people that we don't like or they don't think like me or they don't look like me or they don't act like me? They don't believe the exact same things I believe. What if they're not from the same economic class? What if they, if you're in school, the uncool kids, they're, they're just not popular. They're not going to give you social credit where when you go hang out with your friends, they're going to drag you down a social notch, so to speak. What about those people? Read your context. Who are you perceiving as impure or unclean or unworthy of the gospel or even of your time to share the gospel? Peter now gets it through the blood of Christ. What was unclean has become clean. The blood of Christ washes away our impurity and the impurity of our sin. And that's good news. That's good news for you and that's good news for this world that we are no longer impure, unclean, unworthy because the blood of Christ has washed away that impurity. We are no longer unclean if we follow Christ. You are not unclean if God has made you clean. It also means to go where God has told you to go and to proclaim the gospel to those God has told you to tell. That's what Peter's doing here. He, he gets it and it causes him to go with these people he would not normally associate with and to give them the message of the gospel. And it's good news. He gets it. It's for the Gentiles too. In verse 35, he drops that and he says, but in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right and what is acceptable to him God has made that person clean, and he begins to proclaim the gospel that Jesus is for all, and he proclaims the gospel that he died, he was buried, he rose again for the forgiveness of sins, and in verse 43, he says, all the prophets, Old Testament, testify about him, that's Jesus, that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins, becomes clean. And as we conclude today, I want to drop it in verse 44 through 48. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but while he's speaking the words, the Holy Spirit comes down on all those who heard the message. And the circumcised believers, that would be the Jewish believers who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and declaring the greatness of God. That was the visual symbol that they had been truly saved the gift of the holy spirit and he stays with them and he teaches them and he baptizes them in the name of jesus and he stays with them for a few days teaching them and encouraging them in the gospel so should also we go to those who god tells you to go and tell them what he tells you to tell them tell them the gospel. It doesn't matter who they are. If God has called you to speak to them, if God has made them clean, speak to them. Give them the gospel. For their, for the forgiveness of sins is for all who believe. Thank you for joining me through Journey Through the Scripture. I look forward to continuing in Acts chapter 11 next week. Mm-hmm.